Happy Valentine's Day and welcome to the Hangover Podcast. <laughs> <laughs> Happy Valentine's Day. Happy Valentine's. <laughs> I'm joined by recurring guests Mason Ford and Lily Noble. Lily hasn't been on since the El Dorado podcast, which was a which was a sleeper hit for us. One I thought was kind of niche, but weirdly had a really really big shelf life. So Lily's probably gonna get our viewership up again, which is always good. Thanks for joining us, guys. Glad to be back. So we were gonna record this on Galentine's Day, not Valentine's Day, but ironically, all three parties on this Zoom call were too hungover to record the Hangover podcast. Uh, so that was. That's always fun. The sign of the times, Chris. <laughs> um, what better way to spend a romantic holiday than talking about a, a movie about a hangovers with uh, two of your friends? So I think this movie captures the essence of love, and I think this is going to be a really, really interesting podcast. So welcome, welcome to the Hangover Podcast, people. This movie came out in 2009. Uh, it had a $39 million budget. Each of you guess how much money this movie made. Just, it's a lot. $200 million. Lily? Um, I already looked that up, so God. I don't know if I guess. <laughs> you, you don't get to guess, Mason. You were wrong. It was $469.3 million on a $31 uh, million budget. I thought I was overestimating. Wait, way to come in with some research, though, Lily. That's, that's what we like to see. Thank we you. like when people know what's going on. Yep, I was ready and for it. Yeah, we like when we ruin Chris's little game, too, so that's great. <laughs> I took your thunder a little bit. Sorry, Chris. It's all good. So, Lily and I have been talking about doing this podcast for fucking five or six months. So, Lily, why do we love this movie, and why are we talking about The Hangover? Well, this is my all-time favorite movie. It's just one where every time it was on TV, like, no matter what, like, part you found it, like, when you're searching through the channels – you, I would always watch it. So it just always hits for me. It's so the, funny. The jokes, I hadn't seen it. I was telling a little before we started, I haven't seen this movie in like start to finish in a really long time. And I forgot how fucking fun I was running on a treadmill and watching this morning. And I was like audibly <laughs> laughing really hard, which made the running worse, but also more enjoyable. Mace, what's, uh, what was your thoughts on the rewatch? It's the same. I haven't watched it start to finish. I think on purpose because it's one of those movies that I don't want to watch too many times because I want to keep the joy of it all because I think this was a really formative movie for me in a way. Like a lot of the jokes they use, I still use. Like when he says classic, I say classic all the time. <laughs> the things that are obviously not classic by any means. And so little things like that on the rewatch is cool and some of those scenes you kind of almost remember exactly how you felt the first time watching it and how smart it all kind of plays out how smart the writing was and to see it all play out again so um and then last thing is just how many jokes there are it's insane insane how many they get in in such a you know, over the course of the whole movie, they just fit stuff in perfectly. So uh, it was uh, same. I was laughing out loud, even when I knew the jokes were coming. I, I don't know. Everybody just played their part so well that you, you have to laugh out loud. I feel like I have seen this movie so many times and I've never, like I have never gotten sick of it. And in middle school, when it came out, I wasn't allowed to watch it because my parents were like, oh, it's a little, it's a little too much for you at this age. So I was always jealous because all my friends were making the jokes all the time. But yeah, it, it always, there's so much that happens in the movie and it's so many, yeah, good little yeah. jokes along the way. Sorry, I was going to say another thing that on the rewatch that was unique because like you said, it came out when we were in middle school. I'm pretty sure I was in eighth grade when it yeah. came out and i remember watching it with my friends that i'm still good friends with we went over to marcus's house and we watched it there and just remember dying laughing but now as a 25 year old and i don't know if i've actually watched it uh being of legal drinking age like start to finish either <laughs> so that scene when they wake up in the hotel i could almost i could feel how they felt just the rocking headache the dry mouth 
your body's like exhausted that whole the whole hangover feeling when you see them wake up you're like and uh that scene they have that camera shot where uh it's on ed it's, helms and it's yeah like, it's still looking around and it's super blurry and you're like fuck that's my morning yeah like that's exactly <laughs> how it feels so i think on the rewatch that was kind of a unique experience as you're watching it uh not unique in the sense of yeah. he's seen it but from uh the first time to now a lot more relatable at this point in our lives i would say <laughs> the first time i like truly blacked out drinking the first time I woke up and was like, oh my God, what happened last night? And then I probably watched that movie like when I was on TV and caught part of it. I was like, oh, that's what those guys feel like. Because you wake up from a blackout and you're like, I have never woken up with chickens in a hotel room and a tiger in the bathroom. But you wake up and you're like, oh my God, like, what did I do? You're texting your friends. Um, me and Mason, freshman year of college, our friend, shout out to Tanner Schulte, friend of the program. But he got just destroyed one night and me and Mason didn't know what happened with them. And we had a little mini hangover movie that morning trying to piece together Tanner's night, texting people, like putting his night together. And I think this movie to your guys' point, once we turned 21 and started drinking, this movie hit really hard, but it still hit really hard in eighth grade because it was super quotable and you knew it was like something that you probably weren't supposed to be watching. It was like, ooh, this is like a secret thing I'm watching. Because <laughs> Lily's parents wouldn't even let her watch it. And my, <laughs> it's funny because we couldn't see it in theaters. My dad was in Iraq actually when this movie came out. And I convinced my mom to let me on demand it and that it wasn't that bad. And she watched part of it with me and was fucking appalled. Just was so mad that I convinced her to let me watch it. She's like, someone's getting a blow drop, Christopher. I cannot believe this. What are we watching? And uh, that's my memory. The first time I watched this movie was with my mother in Sioux Falls, South Dakota on the couch watching it with me. So. Nice. Good I can imagine. That's imagine very that memorable. Scene. That's awesome. <laughs> I was, so this is like the guys, guys, like we're going to Vegas. We're getting fucked up. Lily is actually engaged in going to a Vegas bachelorette party. <laughs> Shout out to Lily and Paul. Paul's not allowed to be a part of his podcast, even though he's in the room, other room somewhere. Uh, Lily, on a scale of one to the hangover, how crazy is your bachelorette party about to be in Vegas? Well, I hope it's not that I get lost, you know? I hope it doesn't turn out like that for me. Um, probably no no drugs, no roofies, hopefully as well. Um, <laughs> that would be, be a bummer. <laughs> but... I'd like to keep it around maybe like a seven. That's kind of what my goal is. Who would you want to be in the crew? You're not like, you don't want to be Doug because Doug sucks, but who, whose night would you want to recreate the most of your bachelorette party? If you could like insert yourself into one person, Lil. Well, that is really tough. I was thinking about that before we got on, like who I saw myself in. And then I'm like, Dang it, I think I'm Stu sometimes. <laughs> <laughs> it's all, he has a good-ass time, though. He does, yeah. He really lets loose, and, yeah, I don't have an issue with doing that. So, yeah, but I, but everyone definitely wants to be Phil. You know, you want to be the cool one that everyone's like, oh, yeah. Like, Alan's just, like, copies him at all points during the movie and yeah. that's who I wish I was but I think I'll probably be like Stu. <laughs> I think one of the most underratedly funny things in the movie is, is they're they found Doug they're in the Mercedes and Stu's talking to Jane and Phil's like come on he's on the hood of the car he's like come on and then Alan's literally just mimicking him and like slapping yeah. it the exact same way and Bradley Cooper <laughs> kind of looks at him and is like what the fuck man like stop. <laughs> Mace, who would you want to be in the, who do you think you'd be in the crew? The, uh, I think I, <laughs> I don't know. It's hard to say. Cause you get a little bit of everybody, right? Like, you know, uh, I feel like Stu's a little like naive, but he lets loose and he gets to learn a lot about himself. You know, Phil's trying to get this thing under control, but he's kind of like scummy at the same time. Like he takes the kids field trip money to pay for his Vegas Feels trip. such a piece of shit. Which, yeah, which is hilarious. But, and then, uh, and then you also have Alan who's just, is trying to fit in. He's trying to have a good time. I think you want to be Alan. He wins a ton of money. He like, he's also super naive too, but 
he has a good time he makes new friends and he ends up winning a ton of money like hustles the whole uh the blackjack table when they're there so uh i don't know i don't think it's that bad to be alan you're you're a little dumb you're a little slow but hey you come you come out on top maybe not dumb just thinking about things in very different ways than everyone else <laughs> yeah, yeah he's, there you he's go. just a little weird he's not what did they say i can't remember what they say about him in the gas station they're like is he all there mentally and he's like he's just a weird guy like, yeah he's just a different he's just a different guy as he's yelling at the old guy who looked at his car <laughs> hey you better keep walking that's i think i think i'd probably be stew too i think everybody wants to be phil but i think i'd be a stew you know i'd be a little like tight if mace was like and was being like hey take my it's on chris like this trip's on chris i'd be fucking just as pissed as stew <laughs> he's bankrolling the whole weekend every time they need money they're just like stew give me your card stew how much money you got in the bank yeah <laughs> and he's got He's having to deal with his crazy ass fiance back at the place and like justify what they're doing. Everybody, everybody's more, more of a still. And the reason I was thinking a lot about this movie too was, is this is, like I said, all male cast. And then a couple years later you get bridesmaids and it's hard not to kind of compare these two movies because even though bridesmaids isn't really about a bachelorette party getting out of control, they kind of take the playbook and use like the kind of gross out gags and do it with a female cast. What do you guys, it's hard to say which one's funnier, but which one do you think you prefer? Which one, you just kind of compare the two. You, you can take it wherever you want. I just, we kept thinking about these two movies uh, compared to each I other. Think, I think in, in my opinion, they uh, obviously both are great movies. They do a good job. And I think Bridesmaids really highlights the, the female aspects of that process of and Lily can obviously probably speak to this more but just talking to uh, you know other women that have gone through this process and trying to maintain friends that are coming in and out and um, you know trying to like do these things perfectly and you know you get the hilarious gags and bridesmaids and how they play out um, but I think they highlight like you know uh, hangover being like guys guys in vegas going crazy getting drunk all that kind of stuff and bridesmaids is the process leading up to having this group of girls together and trying to do everything you know perfectly and other things getting in the way yeah little what do you what do you think about the two movies compared to each other i think they're different but it's probably an unfair comparison <laughs> but yeah, I would agree with Mason. It's just kind of a different premise and talking more about friendships and navigating that whole thing. And obviously it's a really funny movie, but I don't think you can really do like the hangover again, like a girl's version. It just doesn't, like it's already a thing. I don't think it would work as well. But Bridesmaids is a really funny movie. It's just a lot of it's very different yeah and and two, I, two, yeah go Mace. I, I think the thing with the hangover too is the first time you watch it at least for me i had no clue where doug was like and when it gets revealed to you in the way it does uh <laughs> through mike epps saying saying that the classic line of you know you're more likely to end up on the floor than the roof and that's how it gets revealed to you that he was on the roof the whole time sorry for anyone who hasn't watched it spoiler alert but uh spoilers <laughs> but um that i think that's what made it obviously the jokes are funny throughout it's a fun entertaining movie but also uh i feel like it gets revealed to you in a really unique way of like i had no clue where doug was the whole time i didn't know how they were going to find him and the and the fact that it's revealed in that way and uh it just makes it unique so to lily's point it's hard to try to do that again without knowing like oh not that you hey he has to be on the roof per se but like you know they find him they rush to the wedding it, it'd be hard to remake that in a unique way i think I mean, that's why the Hangover 2 and 3 suck, I think, is because they just tried to recycle the same... It, you, it can only pull it off once. The gag only works once. Yeah, but I think, yeah, I think it's better that they did it with the same people, though, rather than, you know, trying to do a whole new cast. And I think that's even a, f like, further degradation of the original. 
if you tried to do like a like same premise of the movie and you lost like your bride like at a bachelorette party it wouldn't be like as funny it'd be more like a crime story and it would be like more <laughs> scary and it would turn more into like taken or something like that I was just it gonna would say be that. more intense <laughs> taken bachelorette party like, edition oh, shoot, where where is she like we can't find like it's just a lot more is on the line every minute that passes that girl's probably a goner <laughs> Which it's like but, the but the, the roofies gag wouldn't work with girls <laughs> yeah, no. losing her is not as you just but please God Hollywood don't do a hangover female edition I think it wouldn't work in this in this female hangover edition I imagine Liam Neeson is the groom and he calls and he goes I will find her and I will marry her and then <laughs> he, finds the, he finds whoever has taken her you know I don't know I think we could I think we could pull this off. I it's think, a very different movie <laughs> it's an action thriller <laughs> what i think the comparison between uh bridesmaids and um the hangover that works is melissa mccarthy's character is essentially zach alfanakis's character and the way they both broke out of that where it's you kind of have a weird person that is enters this friend group that has never been there before and they're just so absurd and I feel like Melissa McCarthy's character in Bridesmaids doesn't exist if Alan doesn't exist. And it's hard to, Zach Galifianakis was such an unknown in 2009. He was just like doing st- underground stand-up comedy. It's hard, to, it's hard to explain to people how big of a star he became after this movie. And it was the same thing with Melissa McCarthy where one day Melissa McCarthy was in every comedy ever. She's doing Heat, she's doing all these things. And that was the same with, Zach Galifianakis so maybe that's where my head was in terms of like the comparison Mm, yeah I was thinking of her too yeah could any one of three of us pulled off the Doug roll how how stupid is it that they even had an you should have just had anybody like they should have paid someone ten dollars to be Doug the fact that that guy made money we could have done this role what else he's in National Treasure but what other movie is he in really i think it's this in national i completely <laughs> spaced that he's that little nerdy guy in national treasure yeah i think he's uh his role is obviously still important like it's all centered around losing him and um but obviously the focus isn't on him so I- i'm confident that i probably could have done it uh, <laughs> but hey maybe that's just my ego oh shit you know what he's in He's in Failure to Launch, which Bradley Cooper is also in. So they were, that's probably how he got this role. He's buddies with Bradley Cooper from that god awful movie, Failure to Launch. That's what a weird connection. Hmm. So yeah, I also, I really like, there's, I have really no issues or everything goes together pretty well in this movie besides Doug being just found on the roof. Like, if they, knew if he was able to get that mattress you know if he was able to move a mattress when he was that fucked up then I think he could have made his way to get off the roof like look what everyone else was doing in the two days that they were there but he was unable to go you couldn't leave. signal someone he couldn't <laughs> yeah. scream up. he can't scream at the top of his lungs on the roof and like wave a shirt and no one would see him up there yeah that's the only thing that I'm like come on buddy <laughs> Lily, as a nurse, in your medical opinion, would he have survived up there for two days without water, being that hungover? No, I don't. I think he would have been a lot worse. Yeah. <laughs> I think they yeah, would have had to take him to the hospital and get those kidneys working again. You know, I was, he's probably pretty dehydrated. <laughs> oh, my God. Yeah, he, I just, because they would have just give him a robe, give him some water, and they're like, okay, buddy, let's, we're going to get you married. Get you down the aisle. You'll be good. Yep. Mace, any thoughts? You look like you're yeah, I mean, that's I, – I, I'm trying to think about trying to survive. I think they should have been worried about him being on the brink of death. Like, he should, they should have gone to a hospital for sure. Bro, they just Phil, Phil's telling car. him, you're kind of wasting some time right now. He's like, yeah. <laughs> Let's, I know you want to talk about what happened. 
because they've had two days to decompress the fact that they were roofied, all the things happen, and they just try to tell them in five minutes, hey, you're getting married in four hours. Um, I need you to get your shit together right now. <laughs> I feel bad for the guy. Yeah, that's a that's a tough sell. This movie has a lot of shock. There's a lot of, the first time you see it, there's all these twists and turns where it's, I can't believe that happened to you guys. What, it's probably the most shocking thing the first time you watched it, but is there anything that still shocks you or what was the most shocking thing the first time you watched it? I think for me, it's just that Mike Tyson is in the movie. I think that in itself is just like, oh, okay, where does he come from? <laughs> That part always gets me that he's in this movie. <laughs> Big Mike Tyson too. He's fucking chonk. Oh yeah. Yeah the uh, <laughs> the tiger is obviously. I feel I feel like the tiger's number one because that first scene when you walk in the bathroom, I could not imagine walking <laughs> into a bathroom and there's a full grown live tiger. That's like probably hungry, probably like confused, scared. Um, so I think that's a shock because there's hungover and, you know, like people have crazy hangover drunk stories, but having a live tiger in your hotel room is, uh, tops them all and is shock value to the max. And then any other scene involving the tiger, you know, when they, they try to drug it to get it out of the hotel and then they're, they're driving it and it wakes up. (laughs) And so, uh, anything involving the top. Tiger is pretty high shock value in my mind. I think an underratedly shocking part is when they, it's pretty early in the movie still, they're still trying to figure shit out. And they're at the chapel and they're with, uh, I forget the guy's name, Eddie. They shot Eddie. Eddie. Uh, they're with Eddie. And, Played by Brian Callen, which is Yeah, hilarious. he's funny. But the, you kind of, they're in the backseat. He's talking, Stu's talking to this girl on the phone. You're like, oh, this, this is kind of getting crazy, the shit that they must have done. And then you get, all of a sudden, someone's knocking on, they have guns drawn, they're taking bats. Shut that baby. The baby's screaming. I think that was <laughs> underratedly. They shot Eddie. And you're just like, oh my God, what the fuck did these guys do? That's the first time we are like, oh my God, like what the hell happened? Yeah, that's when things really <laughs> start to pick up because. Uh, the story starting to come together like the tiger is just like a clue whereas this is you know you're getting into <laughs> uh you're involved involved in in crime at, at its uh, like highest form probably <laughs> i think the maltreatment of the kid too i think it's a little, little <laughs> there's like three times phil is the biggest dick to that bit when they first find it in the closet he's like i'll just leave it there who cares he's like we're not gonna leave it come back it for it <laughs> Yeah, regularly we kill the tiger, and then they go to Eddie's chapel, and they're like, "Should we take the kid?" And he's like, "I cracked the window; it's fine." <laughs> yeah, or when they just put the kid, just buckle him in, and the adults yeah, no. see it. <laughs> <laughs> and he's got the little sunglasses on, and he's just kind of looking around. That baby, shout out to that baby. That kid's freaking yeah. hilarious. Cute ass kid. I wonder what he, he's up to. God, he's probably like. How old would he be? 2009. He's like 11 or 12 years old now. Yeah. I think wow. in I think in the third one the baby shows up again, older. I like yeah. that part. <laughs> Zach Galifianakis tells him in the third one that he's his dad. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I think finding Zach Galifianakis. This isn't shocking. I don't know why I'm thinking of this, but when they're at the school and they're going to pick up Phil and Zach Galifianakis is like sitting there. He's like, I shouldn't be here. He's like, why? He's like, I'm not supposed to be within 200 feet of a school or a Chuck E. Cheese. It's not really shocking that he's probably done some (laughs) fucked up stuff, but that's just really funny. Yeah. I think that this now, like, like just some of the language and then the stuff with the baby, it would probably be pretty cringe now but you could do it in 2009 (laughs) you could get away with it yeah i'm curious if it's i'm curious if it's like an age thing you know we were 12 or 11 uh watching it so you know the more offensive the language the funnier it is to to younger people and like there's stuff that's in there that's still funny um but yeah i think it'd be hard and there's also the age thing and then there's the time, you know, the time we're in. And so 
um, I'm always curious what you could get with now versus uh, versus then. And, you know, I don't know. I think they did such a good job and there's so many funny quotes throughout the whole thing that aren't uh, based on like it being offensive. That's the thing. There is yeah. stuff where I watch it now and I'm like, uh, like why you, you, this movie could have existed without if they're like, there's probably three or four minutes worth of shit in the whole movie where I'm like, if you cut it out, it's still really funny. Like, but it, it was 2009. Yeah. They could get away with it. So they were going to, they're pushing the envelope and at the time. Yeah, definitely. Cause I have a, so the little scene with Carlos, at the table when they're at breakfast and he's yeah. like, Hey, Carlos not at the table. So they kind of knew that that was touch and go. And with Hollywood and stuff you have to get, when you have kids, you have to get the parents permission to do stuff. And uh, Carlos's yeah. mom and dad were on the set that day. And they're like, we can't ask this fucking mom to do this. There's no way. And the mom <laughs> left for a little bit and they went up to dad and Todd Phillips is like, Hey, like we have this idea and the dad's like, you have 30 minutes to do whatever you want. She's going to be back. Didn't even let him finish the question and was like, do what you want before she gets back. And Todd Phillips is like, okay, sweet. Like let's get it lined up. And they did it while the mom was away. That's That's just like the most classic asking the dad, you know, ask your dad because you know, your mom's going to say no kind of thing ever. Because that shit's that's still pretty funny. Like I know it's yeah. kind of offensive, but it's still really funny. Yeah, and that's even a little quotable line because he says his little weenus. And I remember <laughs> as like a twelve year old, you know, everybody everybody was quoting that that part of it. <laughs> to that, I guess we're already kind of cranking out lines. So, is what's your guys' favorite lines? Funniest lines that came? I know this is probably there's gonna be a shit ton, but what was your guys' favorite lines? Oh gosh, there's so many. Um, I don't know. I I love when he says classic and just hearing him say that. I I was like, gosh, that's such a big influence on just my natural lingo now, I guess. But um, there's also I also love Alan's speech on the roof. <laughs> it's just so awkward, and uh, the fact that he prepared it is super funny. Um, but I'll try to I'll try to think of some more specific lines but i love that whole whole ensemble i i the caesar's palace i know you get this probably a lot but is this the real caesar's palace like that one always gets me <laughs> i wonder how much that joke at caesar at the real caesar's palace i'm sure they fucking hate that i'm sure when people yeah. go there they're always like hey like is this real caesar's palace like yes we've seen the movie sir like are you just ready to check in the hotel <laughs> Yeah, the uh, I in doing some research, I guess at Caesar's Palace, they had asked the staff, and they said it happens way more than it should. Like people ask that, and if uh, if pagers work there, if they have a payphone bank, which is the little line he has after that. Um, and from my experience working a hotel, just checking in guests in general is. Uh, can be a pain, you know, when they're trying to crack jokes or whatever. And I can only imagine hearing the same joke over and over. And <laughs> You're over like, again. get your stuff and get to your room. I'm done with this. <laughs> you you can only pretend you can only pretend to laugh yeah. for so long. <laughs> like Lily, you got some more lines? I do. I really liked when they're at the doctor's office and they're like they're like, nobody can remember anything from last night. Remember? <laughs> <laughs> That's really, we can't remember anything, remember? Another good line is from the doctor when he's like, okay, uh, the little chapel, do you know where that's at? He goes, yeah. At the corner, get a map and fuck off. Get a map and fuck off. I think that's so funny. That's the shit I've probably used the most in my life quoting this movie. Whenever someone asks me what time it is or asks like where we're going, I've used that. I think that's such a good line. I can't remember anything, remember? Alan, there's so many Alan quotes that are just, he just is a thousand. Like him talking on the way that, they're on the way to Vegas and they're driving in the car and he, uh, what's his face asks. He's like, Hey, am I good on your side? He's about to switch lanes. And he tries to do, he's like, you almost killed us. He's like, that was hilarious. 
and just like the way he delivers. Your face. <laughs> yeah just like the way he thinks it's hilarious having them switch lanes almost hit a semi and that's that's how you know phil's a bad guy too because he's in the bad, he doesn't like alan that much but he laughs because he also thinks that kind of thing is funny too <laughs> hey who's this guy i met you like four times man oh yeah what's up <laughs> i try to think of other shit alan says uh from from his speech four of us wolves wandering the desert together in las vegas looking for strippers and cocaine <laughs> i think that's so good i really He's like got this whole other car. mentality of what what's going on Oh, I was going to say, then when he's in the car and he's like, you guys know if um, Haley's comment is tonight? I just don't want to miss it. <laughs> My cousin saw it and he said it was amazing. And I just, but your shirt's not tonight. <laughs> oh, shit. When he's talking about the Jonas Brothers and he's like, oh, shit, I can't do that. The Jonas Brothers are in town that weekend. Any other weekend, though, I'm free. I have I have one more. It's a, kind of a bad one, but I didn't know that you got rings at the Holocaust. <laughs> they yeah, they said uh, Zach Galifianakis uh, improv that line too. They had <laughs> they had something else written out, but he was he was trying to get a joke in that really showed just just how how unaware of the world Alan really was, or um, yeah, Alan really was. And I, they said with test audiences, that was one of the, the jokes that hit the hardest. And it was just improv off the top of his head, which I feel like they improv a lot in this. And I have such a hard time not breaking in the middle. Like, I can't imagine being on set with, with those guys because they're all funny in their own way, too, which is, uh, I don't know. I think that's cool. Ed, Ed Helms improv the song. Like, they yeah. had that piano in there. And... I guess he was just kind of fucking around while they were setting something up. And he started singing the, now we're going to get a best friend. Doug. Like he just improv that whole song. And if you watch the very end of that scene, you can see Bradley Cooper break when he's like, and if he's been murdered by crystal meth tweakers, well then we're shit out of luck. And you just see, you see Bradley Cooper laugh really hard and kind of like give him like a nice job, man. Yeah, that's so funny. I, I feel like uh, when I first watched it too, that was the big scene. Everybody thought that part was so funny. And it is. And the, knowing that it's improv makes it even funnier and more creative in my mind. But uh, I remember singing that song constantly. Like you had to know all yeah. the words if you wanted to show show your status. Yeah, I, I remember that. And obviously I wasn't singing it because I hadn't watched it yet. <laughs> <laughs> it's like, yeah, if you were in junior high, like I guess at our junior high, before school started, people would get there early and like circle up with their crew and you'd just like wait around in like the cafeteria. And I remember coming to school and it was just everyone quoting The Hangover for like a month. And if you couldn't quote it, they were like, get the fuck out of our circle, bro. Go hang out with those kids. <laughs> <laughs> and I remember, like, I, I just think it's so catchy. There's been times where I've just been walking. I've been like, Doug, oh, Doug. Like, I think that shit's just really funny. <laughs> I can't sing, but. Yeah, we can. We found that out. <laughs> Audio's just off. That's okay. It's, it's the Zoom. I'll go back and I'll auto-tunes everything. So then it'll sound yeah. really sick. And then there you go. I think, I think Ed Helms, Ed Helms is weirdly really fun. He's funny and kind of a straight man way, but there's a couple lines he gives where he's kind of having like a mental breakdown at, cause he's gotten by far, he got the most fucked by the whole weekend. Like his fiance's ruined. His money's gone. He lost a fucking tooth. Like he's totally screwed. And at one point he has his breakdown and he's like, I married a whore. And Zach Galifianakis is like, Hey, she's a nice lady. And then he <laughs> opens the car door and he just nails Alan in the head. And he's like, Oh, Alan, I'm, I'm sorry. Oh, sorry. Oh, sorry about that. <laughs> and then the other Ed Helms line I really like is, is uh, they got the sunglasses and the baby. They figure out the cop cars there and they open the door and it hits the baby in the face. And Alan's line is, is are my sunglasses okay? And at a home goes, your sunglasses are fine, dick. <laughs> That's really funny. 
their their interaction right before that is funny too he's like are you sure you should be handling a baby he's like yeah i found a baby before he's like where coffee bean the coffee bean thing is really funny (laughs) that little back and forth is so so funny yeah, I feel like it's the it's the little exchanges with Alan where he's just saying such ludicrous stuff, and they're like, "What are you? What?" Like, yeah. I don't think the Leslie Chow stuff. Stuff I used to think it was a lot funnier when I was younger, but I find myself not laughing as much at his shit, except for like the "it's funny because he's fat" thing. I still not gonna lie, yeah. I chuckle a little bit. I la- I laugh. Yeah. The uh, I don't know if you remember this, Chris, but it, about a year ago when we were in L.A., we went and saw yeah. stand-up. We saw Ken Jong there, and I'm sure you obviously remember that part, but uh, it was because he did his stand-up, but he also talked about, you know, like his experiences working in, uh, on The Hangover and like having to do the Leslie Chow line, you know, like when you're an actor, if you have a famous line, you people ask for it, you do it, whatever. Um, but he was also talking about how he... Um, he would like bring his kids on the set and like all that kind of stuff. And he had to get permission from his wife to do the nude, <laughs> like that nude scene where he hops out of the, out of the car. So I, I just think it was kind of, you know, it was cool hearing his story, like while he was doing the, this standup and um, explaining and obviously helped, helped him develop a ton too, as an actor and, and like get a lot of growth uh, out of that role. But um, I, I just thought that was cool how he explained like kind of what he was doing and what he was going through. He also explained how um, his wife was going through cancer at the time of, of shooting the movie and um, like how cool the, the crew was sticking together and kind of helping him through that. Cause he was flying back and forth from Las Vegas to LA. Um, and then his wife was cancer free by the time they uh, finished up the movie. So it was like, I don't know, a cool kind of like coming together of, uh, of, bonding through through this like super funny movie take that cancel culture the hangover was actually a really empowering movie (laughs) (laughs) it's the interesting thing about this movie with the cast is is these guys were all essentially no names there was no one you could put on the i would say this but put someone on a poster and you'll sell movie. like if you put tom cruise on a poster and someone walks by like oh tom cruise in that i might see that but bradley cooper had basically just been a supporting guy in movies like Yes Man and Failure to Launch. Ed Helms was essentially just Andy on The Office. Zach Galifianakis had never mm-hmm. done anything. To Lily's earlier point, what Doug was just in the National Treasure movies. But <laughs> when you watch this, I think you look at Bradley Cooper and you're like, someday that guy's gonna be a that guy's a movie star. I think he's the breakout guy of this to me. Yeah, he did a lot after this, but not, like, so different roles. <laughs> yeah, he kind Nothing of like this ser- really ever again. <laughs> he pivoted to serious stuff. I think he does the movie where he takes, like, the pill and he's smart. Limitless? Yeah, he does Limitless, like, pretty soon after this, I think. And I think that was an effort of him to be like, hey, I can be dramatic. Yeah, most of the stuff he did after, like, American Sniper, Silver yeah. Lining Playbook, Star, Star is Born. born. <laughs> yeah. That's a good one. The um, yeah. Speaking of the cast, I, I saw some of the people that they were trying to cast beforehand. So um, Zach Galifianakis, they were trying to get Jack Black, but he turned it down. No, thank uh, God. Jake Gyllenhaal, Jonah, Jonah Hill. They had Ooh. all those guys lined up. And... Um, so I just thought that was interesting how they had, and then uh, for Bradley Cooper's character, Phil, they also had Paul Rudd lined up uh, to play Phil, which would have, obviously, we both love Paul Rudd. That would have been interesting. But, um, and then last Paul Rudd's too. Paul team. Rudd's too likable. Yeah, you think so? I think, I think you could yeah, pull I off a dick. I don't think you could pull off a dick like that. Yeah. And then the last little casting role, uh, Jade um who's played by heather graham i believe is her name yeah and uh lindsey lohan was supposed to play play her and lindsey lohan said it was apparently like regretted not taking the role um because of how successful the movie was so those were some of the casting uh thoughts beforehand before they 
uh, went with this crew, but I love, you know, everybody involved. Yeah. Really, what do you think of those? Yeah, I'm really glad that they got Zach Galifianakis because I feel like with those other people, they already kind of have, like, they're all funny, but in a different way, I think. Like, not this really awkward, like, low-key, just little comments all the time. Like, I don't think those other people would have done as well, so I'm glad that they had who they had. And Bradley Cooper also, like, you know, come on. Good-looking dude. Can't really beat that. (laughs) Yeah, Louis, female perspective on Bradley Cooper, go. <laughs> one, one out of ten. <laughs> uh, he's probably the ten, yeah. He's up there with um, Ryan Gosling, Ryan Ooh. Reynolds, those top three probably. Wow, we're talking top tier. Top elite. tier Hollywood A-list ass. <laughs> <laughs> mm-hmm. But I agree, totally agree with Lily. I think – Jack, like Jack Black, his whole thing is he's all over the place. He's really amped up, and that's not the role. And mm-hmm. Jonah Hill, I really Jonah Hill. I believe he could have done it because he can do anything. But having an unknown that's really funny, I think works. And mm-hmm. Paul Rudd's Bradley Cooper kind of seems like a scumbag. The way he's playing a scumbag, you believe that he's a school teacher that wants to go cheat on his wife in Vegas. You believe that with every fiber of your being. I, Paul Rudd, I would have been like, come on, it's Paul Rudd. Like, we all love Paul Rudd. You can't make him a villain. Yeah, I think there's a lot of value. We've talked about this before, but there's a lot of value in having an unknown person in a role because there's no association with their, their, whether it's comedy or drama, there's no association with their act. So they really get to dive into that role. And I think to your point, the role is be awkward and try to fit in. You're, you're not trying to do the most. You're just literally being you, how you were raised in this, whatever, uh, however you think through things, you're trying to find how you fit in in this group uh, because it's really important to you. And you, you um, know that your sister's, about to marry this guy so you want to feel like part of the family i think that's totally the role so to have jack black that's yeah there's a there's a different role for for what he's got going on and the only thing like with zach galifianakis afterwards is like i don't really feel like he can play a lot of different parts now like he's really the same person in everything he does like between two ferns and the movie due date like He's pretty much Alan in those movies. <laughs> I've heard him talk about this movie and I saw his interview and he was like, it wasn't my sense of humor. At that point I was already like 40 years old and I started going out and people were trying to get me booze and all of a sudden I was famous. And he's like, thank God this didn't happen when I was like 25. Cause I was just old and was like, Hey, like I'm cool. Thanks. But he's like, it wasn't my sense of humor. It was just a job to me. And I think he's really tried to make a big effort to steer himself away from kind of gross, gross gag humor that this movie kind of hung its hat on. Because he almost speaks about it like, hey, like, yeah, it was cool. It's this thing I did, but I, I'm not passionate about that project. Yeah, I think I do think that's cool in a way, though, when you can, you know, you have that iconic character and people recognize you as that because it allows you to it can pigeonhole you, but I think it also allows you to say, to take a step back, know, hey, I played that really well. It was super successful. I I knocked that one out of the park, but I'm capable of more. Like, I don't have to stay there. There's no, no, it's not like you play this iconic character. It did okay, the money aspect, and you feel like, oh, if I, I have to keep doing that, otherwise I'm like out of the industry, you know, hey, I killed that. I can move on to the next thing. I think that's like a cool way to look at it as you a healthy mindset throughout your, yeah, yeah. I totally agree. And to Todd Phillips is probably glad that they didn't get a better cast because the, I don't know how, if you guys found this at all in research, but when he's trying to get this movie funded, he gets his cast together and like 
to earlier, really no one that's a huge star in the studio is like, we're not going to give you the money to make this movie. Like, there's just no one. No one's going to see a movie where Bradley Cooper and Zach Galifianakis. And he goes, okay, whatever. I'll help fund it myself. But instead of you, I'm not, you guys won't pay me. Don't pay me at all. Instead, I want points, which to anybody, the points is where whatever makes in the box office, you get a percentage of the box office gross and then the DVD sale gross. So he's like, don't pay me, but just give me like 10 points. And as I said earlier, this movie made over $460 million and it was the highest selling DVD of all time because DVDs were still a thing in 2009. So I think he ended up making Perfect like time. 50, yeah, it was the per he ends up making 50 or $60 million off just the first one. And God only knows how much he made for the rest of it. But this movie was such a financial success for him that thank God they didn't get better people because he made a killing. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I'm happy for the guy. The uh, imagine, imagine in 2009, because you make it, you know, however many years later, nobody's even going to think about buying the DVD. You know, they're going to stream it or, you know, and you could probably get a streaming deal. But if you were a few years late between that era, between streaming and DVDs, uh, it's super, I don't know, that would be a tough deal for how you make money. But he he got it at the perfect time, which is, is uh, you know, I'd, I think he's doing all right. In, in my opinion. Yeah, he's doing all right. Yeah. <laughs> he just made the Joker, so he can he can basically do it. He's got basically got a yeah. license to do whatever the fuck he wants. And Bradley Cooper, I think, was a producer on that. I'm pretty sure. Speaking of Todd Phillips and casting, I guess, when they were trying to get Mike Tyson, uh, Mike Tyson didn't want to do it. And then Mike Tyson found out that he also directed old school and then he was like okay i'll do it now because he really liked old school so that's what got him got mike tyson on board yeah i saw that mike tyson was on cocaine yeah yeah in every scene that he did which and then i guess <laughs> in filming the movie he was like maybe i should not do that anymore and yeah this so. movie actually helped him turn his life around he saw himself on camera and was like god i look fat and maybe like i'm out of control and now I think Mike Tyson has kind of chilled out a little bit, I think. He's back well, he's, in the gym, boxing. Yeah, he's back. <laughs> Mike Tyson is back, baby. I guess there's a really funny behind-the-scenes clip you can find on YouTube of they're watching the cuts, and Todd Phillips is trying to explain to Mike Tyson, like, hey, I want you to throw a punch like this. Like, I know you know how to box, but, like, for a movie, I need you to throw it like this. And Tyson says – He's like, the leader of the Jewish debating team is trying to tell me how to throw a fucking punch. And Todd <laughs> Phillips just breaks super hard. <laughs> yeah, I can only imagine trying to tell Mike Tyson how to throw a punch. Mike, we kind of get your hips into it a little bit? Maybe, maybe <laughs> cross over? <laughs> yeah, I feel like you could put more power in it, but you're not really selling it, you know? I feel like if... I can't even imagine the amount of pain that you would be in for the next months after being <laughs> punched by Mike Tyson. But Alan just gets right back up. <laughs> He's, he for sure has CTE. He got knocked the fuck out. <laughs> I want to talk about the soundtrack for because it's elite. Lily, one, one or two of your favorite songs or icon, most iconic songs in this movie for you? Um... Well, I really like Can't Tell Me Nothing just when they pull up to the hotel. Like, it just kind of gets you pumped up. Like, even Chris and I were talking about this before we started. But it just, the movie makes you want to drink and party. And I think the soundtrack really does a good job with that. And then I really like Ico Ico, just like that song that's playing when Alan is coming down the escalator, getting ready to make some money <laughs> i think really it's just good. Fun, but it's a really good soundtrack and it really pumps you up i think gets you in the drinking mood yeah the the can't tell me nothing thing i remember the second movie came out i remember that was like my most played i bought it on itunes and i was always listening to that song yeah the i can't tell me nothing that scene is iconic in my mind graduation is one of my favorite albums uh in general and so hearing that song the way they shoot it too is just so sick they're just rolling into vegas 
and uh, a few years back I was going into Vegas I I wasn't like staying there we were just driving through and I was like I have to put hey, this you don't have to on. justify to us why you were going to Vegas it's okay yeah yeah well I've I've actually never been of age in Vegas so I would like to experience it and if I do it I have to drive in you know short drive from Phoenix just five hours I have to drive in as soon as I see that skyline the song is going on and I feel like biggest badass of all time. You just feel, I feel empowered in a way when you're rolling up, you're hearing the song. Uh, yeah, it feels like you're going into, you know, game seven of the World Series or something and, and you're just ready. So that's an <laughs> iconic scene for me in, in my mind with, and it goes perfectly. Todd Phillips does a good job of incorporating Kanye uh, in all the movies, but the other song I really like is Right Round by Flo Rida as, the, as they're showing the pictures, they're looking through the camera, which is also, I remember that was really important whenever somebody saw it and they were telling you to see it, they'd be like, you have to, you have to watch the picture scene. Like that was such a big deal. And those pictures are so funny. And I, I think that part would have been really fun working, you know, if you were working on the movie, just trying to think of the funniest pictures you can come up with. And uh, they're like, Hey, we're going to add this into the movie. Add all this to the movie. I think that's a really funny. And the flow rider stuff to the pictures thing. The funniest pictures when Zach Alphanakis is with the old lady at the slot machines and he's just like sitting there <laughs> yeah. and they're like, and then his stomach with the belly <laughs> ring. Yeah. Cause you know, I was thinking that same picture because you just know they we're shooting in Vegas, walked up to a, he found a lady who's like, Hey, can I take a picture with you? Or, or probably just had somebody just say, Hey, take this picture with me and this old lady at the slot machine. So uh, yeah, they, that's such a, I don't know. I, I think that's a unique way to incorporate that into movie. It's kind of satisfying in a way too. Cause you know, when they wake up and you see the room, you're like, Oh my God, what happened? And then this is kind of the satisfaction of, you get to see what happened that that night. Joker and the Thieves also really good when they're playing the blackjack. That's like the perfect song mm-hmm. for we're about to be stealing from a casino. Joker and the and he's doing the rate when he's coming. Well, he's right the flag boy or whatever this Ico Ico. It's like my flag boy and your flag boy when they're going down. He's doing the yeah. rain. He's wearing the suit that he wore in Rain Man, which is hysterical. Yeah. And then it goes right <laughs> to Joker and the Thief. It's like perfect transition song of like. I go, I go right to Joker and the Thief. And then when she falls in the chair and he's like, hey, 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 that's my wife. And they're making out in Alan's face. Everything about that scene's really good. Yeah. It's, uh, that's also, I remember when I said I, I didn't know how things were going to go first watching it. And the fact that they call back to him reading the book and saying he's going to win or whatever. And that's how they get out of their money situation i I thought that was really unique the first time watching it and it makes you feel good because he's like hell yeah he pulled it off he proved him wrong makes me want to go watch isn't it 21 that movie oh that's a good movie Uh, yeah yeah yeah, it's fine kevin kevin spacey's only like superficially (laughs) a part of that hey at the time it was fine (laughs) yeah that movie yeah i remember i'm not gonna watch it i will not be watching it nope (laughs) <laughs> you can watch it, Lily. It's fine. He's barely he gets to be Kevin Spacey gets the shit kicked out of him at the end. He's the villain. I think it's okay to you can because he's he's the villain. It's okay. You just can't watch stuff where Kevin Spacey is heroic. That's bad. Right. Yeah, right. You're right. Mm-hmm. I thought so I know you this movie could never, ever, 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 ever get made in twenty twenty one. But if you're gonna pitch it in twenty twenty one, I think the pitch is it's it's three guys looking for their friend but while they're looking for their friend they end up finding themselves and that would be my pitch i wouldn't <laughs> tell them anything else and i'd see if they'd give me the money i think that's finding nemo i'm pretty sure that's the plot of finding nemo it's two friends trying to find a son that's totally different oh yeah, yeah you're right it is yeah <laughs> No, but I, I think like that, pitch, that idea, Chris. Yeah. <laughs> I think that pitch, I think we I think someone would give me thirty million dollars. They're like also it's kind of an inspirational thing. You could you could definitely say you could definitely say it's inspirational. 
put Tom yeah, Cruise in after it. After watching good. this movie, yeah, I feel inspired, you know. You're you're a couple months away from from living your own <laughs> Vegas bachelorette party, so I'm sure you're a little inspired. <laughs> <laughs> it's my inspiration for my bachelorette I, party definitely yeah, yeah i feel like you need to watch it you know the night before you go out and do that as you know it puts you in that mood to go out have a good time drink a little bit i think i think that's a good idea no really mm-hmm. on the flight you need to get the fl- when you're on the flight get yourself a little mimosa some champagne whatever you got to do get a drink on the flight and then boom, you're watching The Hangover, you're a little buzzed, now you're off the plane, you're ready to go. You're at the Airbnb, you're off. You play Can't Tell Me Nothing on your Uber on the way there, you're solid. You guys think I should become blood sisters with all of my other bachelorette? (laughs) Absolutely, no doubt in my mind. Do you have anyone in your crew, Lily, in your crew that you think would pull an Allen and kind of be, you don't have to name drop, but do you think there's anybody that would just do something like, crazy like that just cut cut their hair like blood sisters i don't know i i i really hope not i really hope that no one does that <laughs> yeah i think i think your crew hopefully will keep it together i think honestly out of my crew your fiance would probably be the one that would do some crazy shit. <laughs> <laughs> yeah you gotta watch out for him keep an eye on him please <laughs> yeah we're going to we're not going to vegas for his we're actually going to miami the the Vegas of the South, if you will. So I'll I don't know if I can watch this movie in inspiration for it, but we'll keep it really PG for him. None of this stuff. That'd be bad. Do you think it'll be kind of a emotional trip, kind of finding yourselves? Kind of a similar thing? Yeah, you know, as the as the single person on this podcast, you know, I think watching Paul that excited to get married, maybe I'll do some self reflection on what I need to find in my life. And I think that's what may, that whole may- bachelor party weekend's gonna be about. Maybe you'll get lost you. so you can be found, you know? <laughs> Amen, brother. That's, that's the gospel truth. <laughs> um, I guess we're kind of in final thoughts. You guys can just start. I, we, could, we could keep talking about funny scenes. We never really did favorite scenes, I guess. Is there any scenes we haven't talked about that you guys want to talk about? And then we can kind of use that in the final thoughts. My favorite scene is at the jail where (laughs) oh yeah we haven't talked about that (laughs) when that kid tasers alan that part gets me and he starts kind of walking and trudging towards him and then he's like for these fat ones you got them get them a little extra (laughs) (laughs) the the kid pointing it when he's got the dot and it's slowly going up zalkafanakis's jacket and and he's like don't be afraid to ride the lightning yeah rob (laughs) riggle's like talking him through this this intense scene where he's like Oh yeah, lock in, focus. <laughs> he's, he's giving him this pep talk as he's uh, about to to light him up with the with the stone gun. Which and Zach Alvinag is like walking towards the kids and their faces are like, ah, and Robert was like in the face. <laughs> the one girl screams because he won't go down. <laughs> oh that's a good line how do we not even say rob riggle's like hey get over here handsome and zach alfanakis starts walking he's like not you fat jesus <laughs> yeah that's so good and i guess that's from uh zach alfanakis's stand-up uh, like original stand-up that's he made a joke alluding to that and they they threw it in in that part which is really funny that's an underrated that's an underrated scene because rob riggle at the time too you'd only kind of seen him in Step Brothers as the path guy yeah and then you're like yeah. oh that guy's really <laughs> the cops are reading the letter they wrote and they're like yeah we found your mercedes in the middle of las vegas boulevard with a note that said couldn't find a meter but here's four bucks i've always wanted to do that <laughs> yeah that's gonna that might have to be tested out in miami huh i know i'm not trying to <laughs> I bet my no, name no. ends up on the no. I bet my name and shit ends up on the Airbnb and everything. I'm not trying to I have no money, so I'm not trying to be liable for these dumbasses. Right. Maybe no, any, you're definitely any... stew. You're definitely stew in the aspect that you're gonna be the lawyer and you're gonna pay for everything, Chris. <laughs> I don't know. Be like, hey Chris, like what can we get away with down here? And I'd be like, I can't give legal advice. So just have some fun, guys. <laughs> <laughs> Mace, did you have any other scenes you really liked? um that we haven't talked about i should say yeah i feel like we've you know pretty much 
Oh, the fucking uh, wedding. We should talk about the wedding. <laughs> the end wedding. Yeah. Oh, yeah. I mean, when he's singing, King Shot, that, that should have been included. Oh, that should yeah. be included in soundtrack too, you know, when he's singing the live acoustic version <laughs> of uh, Candy Shop, which is awesome. Um, you find out Bradley Cooper's kind of a good dad? Yeah, yeah. Like, is a regular, regular person for a little bit. And uh, the when Ed Helms and his fiance are going back and forth, there's a lot of funny lines. I think probably the best part is when it's just her and Alan and he's like, yeah, I'm thinking about getting my bartender's license. <laughs> <laughs> he's like, she's like, suck my dick. No, thank you. And then Alan, should we dance? <laughs> the best is when he's like, things haven't been the same since you fucked that waiter on that cruise last year. <laughs> Boom. And then Alan's like, I thought you told me he was a bartender. Oh, that's right. You fucked a bartender. <laughs> I think it's kind of nice that like all of the friends are in different stages of relationships kind of that's a final thought just like one's married one needed to let some steam out while being married the other one is getting engaged to a bitch and the other one is getting actually married so and the other one's very single so you just kind of see all the stages (laughs) it's like this podcast I am very single that's Whatever Alan says, he's like, that's why I've managed to stay single this whole time. I was like, I can, I can <laughs> yeah. relate to that. We got Mason, who's in the beginning phase of a relationship. And we got Lily, who's soon to be walking down the aisle. Yeah, that's, you, need, you need diversity amongst relationship statuses. Yeah, that's to, why to we all came full together, all different perspectives. Exactly. <laughs> I think the dad... Uh, whatever the bride's dad who's from Arrested Development and he's hilarious. Yeah, Jeffrey Tambor, yeah. When he's, can you imagine wrecking your dad, your future father-in-law's car that bad and him just being like, Vegas, don't even worry about it, bud. And just like dapping you up. Like, I've never had that good of a relationship with any girl's dad I've ever dated. But that <laughs> shit was hilarious. I just can't imagine anybody. I don't like care who it is, whether it's your your father-in-law or just somebody who let you or your actual dad yeah 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 (laughs) my actual dad would fucking murder me yeah (laughs) vegas yeah (laughs) oh also also at the wedding uh when alan meets uh Stu's fiance he tries to give her knuckles (laughs) have you met tracy's brother (laughs) (laughs) that exchange and then it's just so cool because that's kind of Stu's story arc is at the end yeah. when he's talking to, um, you know, the stripper he married and he's kind of like, Oh, like I'm going to come back next weekend and take you on a date. Cause she's actually really nice. And then he finally gets to conf- him and him and Alan are friends now and are just doing a shot at the wedding at a table by themselves. And you get to finally see him confront her. You know, she's a horrible person. She fucked a bar. They're like how they call him. You fucked a waiter. You fucked a bellhop. You fucked a, there's like all these things. Sailor. That, a sailor, yeah. yeah. They have to correct it every, that's a funny recurring bit in the movie. The things they call the guy she fucked. Yeah. Oh my God. Yeah. I love, I love that end scene. And then that's a classic Todd Phillips thing in his movies with the Dan band, who's the band that's playing, but in old yeah, school, yeah. he's also there. And as I think about it, essentially Vince Vaughn's character in old school is Bradley Cooper's character in this movie yeah, where right. Vince Vaughn in old school is married, has kids and hates his fucking wife. And like as Will Ferrell's walking down the aisle in that movie or his bride's walking down the aisle, he's like, don't get married. He's like, don't do it. And they're like the same <laughs> character essentially. So that's kind of my final thought is this Todd Phillips kind of yeah. also, Hey, fi- final, final thought. Do you guys know who Todd Phillips was in the movie? He put himself in this movie. Do you know what he was? Oh, I don't, I do not know. <laughs> when they're going on the elevator to go up to get the Jagger, oh. he's the guy that's eating out the girl in the elevator. When he comes out from under a dress, they're like going up and he's like, yep, that's, and that's Todd Phillips. He's got the mustache and the, the, it looks like a, a wig. I have no clue. Yeah, it is a wig. Like, so I no, have, it's a wig. So I would have had no idea. Interesting add-on there. Interesting. Yeah. He does Thank that in... for that final, final thought, Chris. 
he's in because he does that same character in old school and he's just like oh. i can't remember what he calls it but he knocks on the door in old school and he's like i'm here for the gangbang that's that's todd <laughs> phillips who's playing the exact same character so he kind of likes to throw it in throw in his movies so that's that's my final final thought any that's anything funny. else like guys that. No, no, I think just... we really hit every scene, <laughs> yeah, every line. I'm, yeah, I think it was, uh, you know, it's it's nostalgic in a way because I remember how important it was at that age and it's still super quotable. I feel that we are probably not the only ones that, that quote this movie and little things from it. And uh, obviously the franchise is gigantic as a whole so i loved i loved rewatching it it was you know it's fun and entertaining and definitely definitely makes you want to check out vegas have a couple drinks and just see what happens vegas baby yeah thanks thanks for doing this guys i want to i want to thank lily for the idea also shout out to lily for those of you who don't know public health nurse out there vaccinating the nation making sure that you people go back to a normal life so shout applause to lily and all the other nurses that are trying to make it so that 2021 is not as shitty as 2020 so thank you lily amen thank, thank you. you and uh mason's got some big stuff coming cruel tunes card game is starting to kind of come together so be on the lookout on mason's social media about that game and uh kind of it's gonna be coming soon yeah coming soon be on the lookout big things for this group in 2021 Thanks again, guys, and uh, let's not get hungover again. Yes, yes, sir. Bye, guys.